0: Coming up on today's episode of The Positivity Platform. Once I reached this point in my life, there was no question if I was happy or not, because I literally wasn't even like a functioning
1: human being. You never Mm -hmm. had the chance to actually feel confident in who you were, because everything externally was dictating who you needed to be. I Mm -hmm. quickly
0: became, at six years old, the most mentally stable figure in my father's household. This exact mold of a partner, I have chosen multiple times. Well, and yeah. it's
2: interesting because that's what you're comfortable with. Welcome to the Positivity Platform. We are your hosts, Erica and Evelyn. Join us for weekly chats that unpack life's experiences and forge pathways to Positivity welcome to our 10th episode of the Positivity
1: Platform. So let's just go ahead and hop right into the golf cart and
2: talk about what's been going on in our lives. A cousin of mine runs a nonprofit called Dynamic Healing. And so this weekend, I was fortunate enough to be able to tour the facilities and get familiar with the services that they provide because a community outreach and the services that she provides, that they provide, is just amazing. Mm -hmm. So we started out, it was really nice because it's also a meeting about women empowering women just by discussing what you're doing with your life and Mm -hmm. how you can be of service to others. Mm -hmm. So we started out with a really nice lunch at Istanbul. Have you been there? No, I have not. Oh, and Kaka'ako, it's Mm -mm. uh, Mediterranean or no, actually it's, yeah, it is Mediterranean right across the street from the Whole Foods, but it's one of my favorites. So we started out with lunch and then uh, we went to her emergency shelter for homeless seniors. Oh, nice. Yes. And it's a 32 uh, unit apartment building.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So beautiful in there. I mean, just clean. They have everything that you need to get on your feet or to start that process of getting back on your feet. And I got to meet one of the residents. And her staff is amazing. You know, you realize how much work gets put into Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. We pulled up and her um, resident manager had just arrived with a car full of donations. Oh, great. (laughs) Yeah. I know. She said, oh, we are all, you know, multi-hyphen positions here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So picker-upper of donations wherever they need to go. We do that too. So Just the support in the community is really good.
1: I think that's so great. I mean, you know how I feel about volunteerism, and we've uh even talked about it as part of choosing happiness is finding a passion and putting it to use to impact even your community. And so for me, volunteerism is
2: huge. Um, What is the name of it again, Evelyn? It is Dynamic Healing Center. Okay. And they offer emergency uh, housing for seniors. But then what I love is she says it's important for them to feel like guests. Mm-hmm. You know, so that when they're receiving the services that they you know that they're working, they begin the work to regain like their independence. That's great. And then, and then they find permanent housing for them. Mm-hmm. So when she took over this pro- program or when she, I don't know how it works in the profit, not for profit world, but I think it was maybe a grant or a program that she ha- was awarded because she mm-hmm. applied for it. At the time the same program existed, there Mm -hmm. were residents that had been there for two years, which is not what the program is meant to do. Mm -hmm. But since she took over, they've already get found, I think she said seven or eight permanent housing for that's great. You know, yes. Yeah. And
1: here in Hawaii, that's not easy to find permanent affordable housing for anybody. Yeah. So uh-huh. yeah, I think that's great. And I love that she's, you know, putting her passions to work for a greater cause. So uh-huh. thank you to your cousin Anne. Uh-huh. <laughs> and Dr. thanks for Anne, Dr. Anne. Dr. Anne. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So that's great. Yeah. Well, this morning was just glancing outside and I just love living here in Oahu. And this morning, it's not the most beautiful morning in the world. But when I look out over the water or when I was this morning, it was because we're probably about like three quarters of a mile to the water, but we have a view line to the water. So there's nothing between us and the water. But Over the water, it was sunny. And then in my, the opposite direction in my house, when I look out, I have a view of the Waianae Mountains Mm -hmm. and it was like cloud covered over there. And I just love that this small little island has such a diverse, not just like visually when you go over Mm -hmm. to the windward side, for example, and it's so green and lush and mountainous. And then usually over on this side, the leeward side, it's a little more dry, but right now it's also green and somewhat lush because Mm -hmm. of all the rains we've had. And then I also love the diversity of the actual climate. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. it can be rainy one area and sunny another. So we always Mm -hmm. say here, you know, if you don't like the weather in one (laughs) town, just drive drive. to the next one. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and so I just, this morning was just really appreciating that. And at the same time, I did a Facebook post about this on my personal Facebook, and I was discussing the fact that we have this beautiful mango tree in our backyard. Mm -hmm. And when Mm -hmm. we first bought the house last year, we bought it in June. There were no mangoes growing at all, mm-hmm. and we thought, "Oh no, you know, is this just an unhealthy mango tree mm-hmm. or whatever?" Or I a did, lemon? Or yeah, uh-huh. exactly, <laughs> lemon. <laughs> yes, we had
2: a lemon. We mango, got a lemon mango tree, mango but tree. <laughs> no.
1: But I did, mm-hmm. through research, figure out that a lot of mango species are oh, they seasonal? Yeah, yes, or they actually fruit every other year. Other they year. don't fruit mm-hmm. every year. So this year our mango tree is full of flowers and a lot of the flowers have already set fruit every day. I don't know. I just literally cannot help myself. Every morning I go out there and I just stare up at the mango tree and I count how many more little fruits have set. And I just Mm. take such joy out of Mm -hmm. spending time like examining and learning about my mango tree. Uh And so I'm so excited because come June, we're going to have so many mangoes. I mean, this tree, it's not that huge. It might be 18 feet tall. So it's large Uh for a mango tree, but it's not huge. You know, some mango uh-huh. trees can become enormous, but uh-huh. I think I swear, Evelyn, I think we're going to have like 150 to 200 mangoes on this tree. Ooh, so I'm excited. I know, cause we will have plenty to share. So, uh-huh. but it's just such a joy to be able to watch the life cycle of like a plant or a, a fruiting tree. I used to do raised bed gardens when I lived on the mainland And just planting something and watching it go from seed to vegetable or fruit, depending on what it is. It's just, I don't know why. It just brings me such joy. Oh, that's
2: amazing. And on that subject, it is, well, two things I wanted to say. One, I did my walk down on your side of town I saw because For I saw our your Facebook post this morning when I
1: was glancing through Facebook. Yes, you were in my. For neck our of listeners, the woods. we live
2: probably a whole five miles away from each other. Yes, but that's your neck of the woods, and this yes, is mine. This is my <laughs> neck of the woods and yours. So I do enjoy going to Ko'olina, the resort mm-hmm. and just doing my walks from end to end. And yesterday I was totally distracted, and I've been working on staying present. You know, i've mm-hmm. I've been a runner, so it's really different for me. It was always purposeful, mm-hmm. and I was always pushing myself, whether it was there it was all just full of expectation. So I'm working on walking for my health and lessening. The cortisol, not, (laughs) you know, pumping it up. Yep. So I choose Colina because it's just so beautiful. And it's not, there's nothing there that makes me competitive with myself. Mm -hmm. You know, there are Mm -hmm. no other runners where I'm like, I'm going to catch him or her. Yeah. Or so I was walking and then I saw this beautiful sunset and I'm just mm-hmm. watching it, thinking, Oh wow, I should probably come back. I am not kidding. I'm thinking, mm-hmm. I'm gonna come back tomorrow and yeah. do the sunset. And yeah. I thought, You're here. Yeah, yeah. Right. I know, I know. Do
1: you know that? Um I, I don't know if you know this or not, but Like one or two nights a week, Thomas and I go down to Colina since we are just one mile from Uh the the beach right there. Uh So we go down to that one or two nights a week and we take our beach chairs and we sit in the grassy area because I don't want to get sandy every single, Um, (laughs) you know, um, I mean, I admit it, I don't like to get too sandy, but we sit in the little grassy area right beyond the sand. And we watch the sunset there and we bring a bottle of wine and two glasses and we just have our evening wine and watch the sunset right there. We can see it from our backyard as well because we look over Koalina, but it's Mm -hmm. not the same as being able to sit there right at the beach with the sound of the waves crashing. And it's so beautiful. And the sunsets are, well, you know how many pictures I post all the time oh, of okay. sunsets. I mean, it seems like that's all I ever post is sunsets. You know, I just think it's probably one of the most beautiful sunsets anybody could ever see. And to think that we're lucky enough and fortunate enough to have that in our, like, basically our backyards Backyard, here in Hawaii. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really great time for us to begin to build the platform with this week's Mindful Minute. Our mindful minute is when we pause and take a moment of gratitude for something we are thankful for, whether we are having a great week or a week full of challenges. Taking the time to be mindful of something we are grateful for allows us to focus on the good in our lives and forge pathways to positivity.
2: My mindful minute for today, I was so full of gratitude this weekend. Number one, to have the time With my cousin, Anne, because we Mm -hmm. haven't, obviously, she and I have been very busy the last year as she was building this nonprofit, but seeing the work and so grateful that the underserved, just knowing that those services are available and that our community is getting better at providing those services and that this demographic isn't being overlooked There's still a long ways to go because she did tell me that for senior emergency shelter placement, she's one of two. Oh my goodness. One of two organizations. Yeah. Otherwise you have to go to the state program. When I went to her shelter, I was pleasantly surprised because it was, it was just a beautiful apartment building. It was, I am very grateful to people who dedicate their lives and. Their talents, because it does take a very special person. I could never do what she does with such enthusiasm and passion. So I'm so grateful, in particular, for Dr. Ann Anderson and Dynamic Healing Center.
1: Yeah. That's great. I'm thankful for her too. And I don't even know her, but (laughs) I'm thankful because I think it's so important that we have organizations that target any number of different demographics that are indeed underserved. So Uh I do really appreciate that as well. And thank you for sharing that with us. Okay. My mindful minute today, I think I've said this probably twice in the past, but I really am so grateful for being able to live here in Oahu. I'm not trying to like think, oh, I, Oahu is the best place in the world, but it's just the place for me. It's where I have found home. And I am so thankful for it. I love the diverse landscape. I love the way that things grow here almost without any effort. (laughs) You know, in the mainland, when you try to grow, there's just, you have to worry about growing seasons and the right soil and all of that. But here, it's just like things just, grow. I love the vegetation. I love the palm trees. I love just visually. It's just to me, a place that fills my heart with peace and tranquility. And so I just so appreciate the ability to live in a place that just doesn't just match my body temperature because I hate to be cold because I grew up in the Virgin Islands, (laughs) but also visually puts me in a place of peace. I'm really thankful for that on a daily basis. I really am. So that's all I want today. That's where my mind is. It's just where my mind has been ever since I woke up this morning is how grateful I am to live here in Oahu in a place that puts my heart at peace. At this time, we'd like to pause so that you too can contemplate something you are grateful for, your own mindful minute. For today's episode, we're going to dive into part three, of a three-part series that examines the question, what would my life look like if I actually chose happiness? Last week, our guest Taylor shared her story of choosing happiness through owning her authentic identity as a queer Polynesian woman with a bipolar disorder. Her story and her ability to forge pathways to positivity in her life were truly inspirational. Today, we're going to hear another transformational story that found one young woman in pursuit of happiness. Along the way, she forged her own pathways to positivity and now finds power in sharing her unique journey. So, with that, let's further build the platform with today's moving moment. Our moving moment is always an inspirational quote that ties into the theme of the day. Today's moving moment quote is by Elizabeth Gilbert, an American journalist and author. She is best known for her 2006 memoir, Eat, Pray, Love. And I quote, I'm choosing happiness over suffering. I know I am. I'm making space for the unknown future to fill up my life with yet-to-come
2: surprises. So let's get ready to hop on the platform and dive into the topic of happiness. Today, we are excited to have Carissa Harrison with us to share about her journey that led her to choose happiness for her life. Carissa is a marketing manager and digital nomad, as well as a host of her own podcast, Meet My Mess. Carissa, we're so happy to have you here with us, and I'll let you go ahead and do your own introduction. Yeah,
0: I am so happy to be here. Um, I'm Carissa. I am, like you said, a marketing manager. I am a digital nomad. I host a podcast. So all of my work is done from my lovely little little screen. Um, beyond work, I love to be outdoors. I clearly like to travel. I'm a really creative person. I'm very into health and wellness, mm-hmm. not just the exercise and nutrition portion, but very much so into like meditation, journaling, uh, manifestation, those kinds of things. You love that Uh, good stuff. Yeah. (laughs) I wasn't always though. I was not always into that stuff.
1: It took some growing into it. I'm so excited to be able to (laughs) have another perspective on what it means to choose happiness for yourself, especially when everyone has a unique journey. And I say all the time, if one person can pull a nugget from your story and it impacts them in a way that allows them to forge greater pathways to positivity in their lives, then that's amazing. So I'm so excited to hear more about your story. Okay. So Carissa, you know, you're here because we are actually in a three-part series right now that really poses the question, what would my life look like if I actually chose happiness? In the first part of the series, Evelyn and I really dove into the question of (laughs) what is happiness and how do we define that for ourselves? And then we really examined like happiness versus joy, happiness versus pleasure, happiness versus contentedness. And then we we offered some intentional actions that people can take in their lives to choose happiness. I would love it if you could share a little bit about your journey that caused you to pose the question to yourself, am I happy?
0: Well, I can tell you when I first started asking myself that question, the answer was no. Um, You know, I feel like if you're heavily questioning, if you're happy, you're probably could could be a bit happier. I'm not going to say unhappy, but could be a bit happier. But I kind of want to start from the point that I asked myself this question and worked backwards when i was in university i got to a place in my life where i was waking up each morning and there was like no part of me that felt like i could get out of bed in the morning i physically was exhausted i had lost about 50 pounds oh. not an exaggeration like 50 pounds i'm naturally like a pretty curvy girl and i like mm-hmm. got down to like skin and bones essentially i would wake up each morning and just start vomiting because my anxiety and my depression was just so intense. Mm. And so once I reached this point in my life, there was no question if I was happy or not because I literally wasn't even like a functioning human being anymore. I couldn't perform daily tasks. Yeah. At at that that
1: point point, it wasn't even just an emotional manifestation. There was a physical manifestation that was like clearly you were not happy in that moment.
0: Yeah. For sure. And it I really hope that people don't have to reach this point because when you do reach that point, really, it honestly comes down to a decision of like, I'm going to have to do something to make a change. Or honestly, like, I hate to be dark, but like, I was going to like wither away and eventually get to a point where I didn't want to be on this earth anymore. You know, so once I reached that point, that is when I really realized I needed to make a change. But I'm sure everyone's asking, like, you didn't just wake up one day and end up in that state. So A little bit of context about my childhood and how I grew to this point in my life. I was born here in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. I was born into a family of high school sweethearts. My parents were high school sweethearts. They had me at age 20. So, young, young parents. Mm -hmm. My mom, I think, actually was ready to have me, and my father wasn't. My father struggled a lot with addiction and mental health issues, and that left me in a place of being neglected emotionally abused when he would pick up the bottle he was not the same person I was there on weekends I guess because my parents got divorced when I was four uh-huh. being around this alcoholic figure in my life I didn't have the protection of my mother there I mm-hmm. quickly became at six years old the most mentally stable figure in my father's household uh-huh. um I had a younger brother too who I, had to take care of, um, to the park, taking me to dance competitions. And then the next weekend I would go and it would be sleeping till 5 PM every day, D- didn't get meals that day, um, picking apart my looks, you know, like it was like I, like everything about nothing was good enough. So, um, that was the early, I think, seed that was planted in me that kind of rewired my brain to Uh be one that's responding to trauma all of the time because Uh that was the life I was living in. And so I honestly, from childhood up until I did this intense kind of reworking of my life, which I'm sure we'll get to later, I was constantly in a state of panic, of anxiety, of trauma, of the worst is going to come to me. -hmm. And the only way that I found myself coping healthily was through dance. It was something I just naturally found early. And instead of thinking about everything that was going on at home, I would just literally live in my dance studio and Mm -hmm. just dive into that. And it was beautiful experience. I made great friends. And I really truly say that like if I had not found dance and creativity I I could be like on the streets right now, honestly, with like what I had been through. But I
2: love that you had your dance. So your dance was like your sanctuary.
0: Yes, it was. But at the same time, I don't know if anyone listening was ever a dancer, but you spend oh. nine hours a day staring at yourself in the mirror mm-hmm. with next to nothing on. You're in a leotard and tights. Surrounded by a bunch of girls who are so, so tiny, which of course is like fine. It's all bodies are beautiful, but I was always the biggest girl in the room. And that really, really hit hard for me. And the dance industry is so based on how you look. You know, you would yeah. walk into an audition and it would be all right, if you dye your hair, you got the job. If you lose 10 pounds, you have the job. If you gain 10 pounds, you have the job. So, no matter what I did to my look, it was never going to be exactly what every single person wanted. But as a 13 year old girl, all I heard was I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. You know? Mm -hmm. And so.
1: (laughs) No, I just, you know, just Uh as I'm thinking of that, we just did a series a few weeks ago that examined identity And it was, who am I? Who do I want to be? How do, how are those aligned? Your entire identity was being defined at that point in your life by external Mm -hmm. factors. You never Mm -hmm. had the chance to actually feel confident from what I'm hearing in who you were, because everything externally was dictating who you needed to be. You had to be the responsible one. You had to be the caretaker of your brother. You had to Mm -hmm. look a certain way. So your identity was literally thrust upon you by all of
2: these external forces that told you what you needed to be or who you needed to be or how you needed to be. And then on top of that, you find your sanctuary in dance. And now there's this element of possibly losing that. You have this added, I finally found somewhere where I feel safe and I belong. And now you're telling me that unless I fit this picture, I might lose that too.
0: It is obviously sad. I used to be quite guilty of talking about it, like from a third party's perspective, being like almost like this didn't happen to me, like trying to totally dissociate from it. I have always struggled with my confidence and my identity, but I never really thought about it as a result of all of my childhood experiences, which of course, like saying it now, it sounds so silly that I never thought about that before, but At the end of the day, we all come to some point in our life where we question who we are and how we got there. And I think, especially if anyone in their 20s is listening, you're probably going through this stage of who am I in terms of like, what do I want the rest of my life to look like? You know, do I want children? What did my career path like? There's so many defining moments at this point in your life. And yeah, I think everyone has to go through a stage of. Re-self-discovery. I know at least I did, because like you said, I had so many different identities pushed on me that I got to a point that I was like, okay, I'm so many different things, but like these things don't seem to all mesh into one person. So that definitely took a a lot of discovery and beyond even just the dance and my father. Um, I think as a result of maybe those daddy issues, <laughs> I um I chose some very, I made some unwise decisions in love. I would say, uh, mm-hmm. I chose partners who mimicked the love my father showed me. So very unstable. One minute it would be intense, intense love, great dates, love bombing, basically, so many compliments, telling me how much they see a future with me. In the next minute, it would be infidelity, not mm-hmm. wanting anything to do with me this exact mold of a partner i have chosen multiple times. Well, in yeah. it's
2: interesting because you know? that's what yeah. you're comfortable with.
0: that's the love i was trained was correct. i mean i did have like healthy love for my mom and stuff but i'm talking more in terms like of a male figure because i am i do identify as straight and i do date men so that's mm-hmm. kind of where that correlation really comes in but yeah i was trained that love looks like intensity. Yeah. And intensity in no matter what way. It doesn't, it's not always going to be good, but as long as you feel so, so deeply for that person, that is love. And that
1: could not be more wrong. Absolutely. So take us then again to that space when you're in college and, you know, you've been through this journey. You find yourself in that position now. You're Mm -hmm. bones, basically. You've lost so much weight. (laughs) You are unhealthy emotionally and Mm -hmm. physically. Yeah are there other incidences or events in your life that brought you to that point where you find yourself in your bed unable to get up? Yeah. So this, there's one more
0: piece, I guess. I mean, there are many, many more, Mm -hmm. but one major, major piece was about a year ago, I was sexually assaulted. It's something that I'm still kind of working through to this day. It definitely shook me and I guess I had already done like quite a bit of Mm self-work when I had gotten to this point but this kind of undid a lot of it all of this work I had done around my identity and my boundaries I was shown once again that even if you do have boundaries and you do do positive self-work some outside forces do have the ability to
1: Mm -hmm. unfortunately
0: take that away from you sometimes. Yeah. uh,
1: Well, that's because we cannot prepare for all of the eventualities of what we will experience in our life, all of the additional traumas that we'll experience. And we can do work on ourselves and do self-reflection and all of that and grow. But then there are indeed setbacks. This is a particularly big traumatic setback because any trust you would have built up in any sort of relationship with a male at that point would be just once uh, again yeah, <laughs> Brush, uh,
2: once yeah again, just shattered
0: and i won't lie like it did put me on like a a man hater trajectory for a while i'll be honest mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. i didn't actually hate men i just hate what all of these men had done to me and that there was no amends on any of the fronts i guess you know not from my father not from the person who sexually assaulted me not from any ex-boyfriends not from any of the men who auditioned me and told me i wasn't good enough you know there was never any amends it It was was just
1: further evidence to you that men were never going to be in your life a safe safe. place i know that there are so many men out there
0: who do have great intentions and do have kind hearts and like hopefully one day i'll meet one who um can show me healthy love and things like that but i like we said like Unfortunately, my, my life circumstances really, really pushed that, that message into my head. Um, and yeah, I would say that those are the experiences that led me to that point in my life where I was really lost, done with the world and didn't really know if I had a place in it anymore.
1: So you find yourself in bed, mm-hmm. yeah. unable to function any longer in the space yeah. that you had been functioning. That yeah. was no longer going to work for you. Your body told you so, your mind told you so, your emotions mm-hmm. told you so. You couldn't move forward in that way any right. longer. Right. So what was the defining moment that turned mm-hmm. it around for you and put you at least on the first steps on the pathway toward choosing a better future for yourself, greater happiness for yourself.
0: So, finally I'm like, all right. I realize I at first I had to realize like all right, something's seriously wrong here. And like beyond just like my friends and my family being like you have lost a crazy amount of weight, your energy is just like dull to be honest. Like what's going like you I'm clearly a c- pretty big p- personality, quite energetic and like there yep. was a period in my life where I literally just like walked around like this and didn't like care about anything. So, yeah. I was in one of those really unhealthy relationships when this occurred. And he actually told me, "Okay, I have a opportunity to go on university exchange in Europe." And me being a codependent, I was like, "Well, you're not going to Europe without me." <laughs> um mm. and so I applied to go on a university exchange as well. And finally we get our our schools and they are on the complete opposite sides of Europe.
1: Oh, no. Which Which is probably a good thing it ended up, I'm
2: sure. Right. Exactly.
0: And that was kind of that divine intervention was I was forced forced to get out of my bed and go to the complete opposite side of the world, which seems like it maybe wouldn't be the best thing for someone who's mentally struggling. But when the things you're struggling about are what you are currently living, it's sometimes good to get away. And now I'm not going to advocate for for running away from your problems, because yeah. I don't think that that is healthy. And I always knew that when I went away, like when I came back to Canada, I was still gonna have a lot to work through. Mm-hmm. But I will say, if you are in a place where you were like really so depressed that you can't even like eat a meal or get out of bed whatever is going to get you up is what you should do regardless. I absolutely Um,
2: agree with that. Yeah. Regardless of scenery, getting out of your head, getting out of that space.
0: Yes. And so, yeah, going to Europe, I no longer had the responsibility of taking care of my, my brothers and then taking, nurturing this really unhealthy relationship. I got to this we now we didn't break up right away when I got there, but pretty quickly after, um, I even spent like a couple weeks out of his presence. I realized there was something very, very wrong in that relationship, and that separation from my friends, my family, my boyfriend at the time, I was forced to live with no one but myself and my own brain. And I was lucky enough I got to do it in the beautiful country being over there I one was doing something that I loved I love travel I love seeing new places so that gave me something to finally be excited about again after the first for the first time in years it gave me the space to really reflect to not have the outside opinions of anyone in my life Uh And it gave me honestly, it forced me to kind of like put on a brave face, get out of bed each day because I knew I was in a new city, I was gonna have to make new connections, make new friends. So it was kind of a push every day. And also like, I'm not sorry, I'm not gonna like be in France and sit in my bed all day. Like I would be so so mad at myself. Uh For the rest of my life. for doing.
2: But I love this because being (laughs) going there and being on your own away from your family, all these expectations and responsibilities that you have grown up with. Now there's no one looking at me. I can reinvent myself because I want to meet new people. I could see how that's like now giving you these little chances to reconnect with only what's important to you
0: yeah and like and you're in France (laughs) yes exactly without that like divine intervention of literally ripping me away from that boyfriend of mine I don't know if I ever would have reached a place of getting on this self-care journey I needed six months so like I need a break I needed some time away um from all of my trauma and like, Carissa, so you find yourself in
1: France and you are now sort of on a new pathway and you're able to self-love and self-care. And so now you're beginning to look and view life, I'm assuming quite differently than you had. Yes. So tell me what that was like. And then as you were walking on this new journey toward greater self-discovery, what obstacles and challenges were you facing?
0: So i I got there, I really started and I started enjoying life. I started making friends. I was spending time at the beach. Yeah, I mean, there were definitely there were definitely obstacles along the way. like I would say one of the biggest obstacles I faced though was this guilt. I felt so guilty yeah. for not one being being the person that everyone in my life needed me to be all the time. You know, I was I was 19 years old, but I felt like I had the way the world on me in terms of responsibility. So the biggest thing for me was guilt. I felt really, really guilty for this new self-care journey I was on. Um, but when I did come home, like I said, I did have to like work through a lot of these issues still. And mm-hmm. one of the biggest things I feel like I really had to do was a lot of unlearning. I had learned to be so rigid and be so so tough. People would always like define me as like very like hard exterior, tough girl, which like now <laughs> you see me like I don't really come off that way anymore. But it was a lot of unlearning because I always had my guard up. Yeah. I expected not only the worst of every single person out there. I expected the worst out of the universe, the world, whatever, higher power. It was so much unlearning and so much shifting of my perspective. And I can't really say that there was like a defining moment that I was like, oh, I'm finally happy. It was a very, very gradual process. It like It started with me opening my mind up like the littlest bit to be like, okay, like I'm on these beautiful beaches. Maybe life isn't so bad. Throughout all of this, being away, I had terrible anxiety still. So that's when I was like, all right, I need to get a grip on this because I am not eating, like I said before. And so that's when I kind of was like, I'll try anything at this point. So I started trying meditation and that was like a slow, gradual entry and then I was like, oh, my gosh, like, I have so many thoughts in my head. Like, think about all of the things I've been through. Like, I need to get these out somehow. And that's where journaling kind of um trickled in. So it was a very, very gradual shift.
1: But you know what, Carissa? We talked, Evelyn and I, when we did our episode two weeks ago about what happiness, how we define happiness in the context of our journey in Forging Pathways to Positivity. And our definition of happiness that we chose is actually from Mahatma Gandhi. And it's when what you say, what you think, and what you do are all in harmony. So what Mm -hmm. I'm hearing from you is that it began with a change, a shift in thought. That's what you think. Yes. And then what you say, your internal dialogue, what are you telling yourself? All of this. So what am I saying about myself when that begins to shift? And then what you do now, you're starting to take actions like, okay, I know I'm not eating right. How can I fix this? Okay. Now I can take actions like meditation and journaling and all of this, which were actually intentional actions that Evelyn and I shared that help forge pathways to positivity and choosing happiness. So whether you knew it or not, you were actually implementing all three of these components about choosing happiness for yourself. What you say, what you think, what you think, what you say, what you do are in harmony. And you were on this journey, whether you recognize that or not in the moment of putting that all together to choose happiness
2: for yourself. But something else that you talked about, and I love that you went and saw the beautiful beaches in France that kind of got your spirit and, you know, something Mm -hmm. inside of you. It wasn't anything you did or heard, but something you felt the beauty Mm -hmm. in this life. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm in France and just connecting with that, I think, is like a spark that may have been you feeling like, okay, well, if this, beach, like you said, if this beach is so beautiful, then it can't be all that bad. What's my next step? But once you allow that, I mm-hmm. do know that it's a scientific, I'm sure we all know this, scientifically, the neural pathways in your brain start to, that you're opening up different pathways where normally all you saw was bad, bad, you know, yuck. Just another hit. Why would I try that when it's only going to knock me back down and then Mm -hmm. I'll be disappointed again? So I love. I it is a choice. We went through a lot of the action steps, like we said a couple of weeks ago, and I think you hit at least four of them. Like four of them. them Just did what you. But that was like the beginning
1: of your um transition to this place where yeah. you've been able to find happiness for yourself. So will you kind of bring us now to this point where you're back in Canada, I'm assuming, mm-hmm. and yeah. now you really are on this pathway, you've implemented some yeah. intentional actions in your life, and you're on this pathway toward finding happiness for yourself. What did that pathway look like? So there are so many steps
0: because no. it, it has, it's a, it's a journey, not a, not a (laughs) destination it's like a marathon not a sprint yeah Yeah. exactly (laughs) exactly so there's so many things I think the first thing for me was reconnecting with what I actually enjoyed like somewhere along that journey of ending up depressed in bed I stopped doing the things I liked you know like I Mm -hmm. used to love dancing I used to love nature I used to love food. And these are all things that I completely lost relationships with. So I think the biggest thing for me that sparked it was think about what you loved before you hit this place of sadness and reconnect with those things. Spend an hour each day, dedicate like just block off an hour each day and dedicate that time to whatever it is you genuinely enjoy, mm-hmm. not what you think you should be doing mm-hmm. do what you genuinely want to be doing with that time and i'm not talking like sitting watching like the bachelor that's not productive <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking oh i'm second laughing time.
2: because you're like i love what you said you know doing things that actually make me happy not yeah. doing the things that happy people do Do you know yes. what i mean it's so hard it's happy like, people do yeah <laughs> what, what, yeah, so yeah. i mean <laughs> Do both,
0: I think. Yes. I like for me, it took doing what I genuinely what genuinely made me happy, but also taking these steps that happy people do. So mm-hmm. that for me, that meant going to therapy was huge because I did oh, have right. so much trauma to unlearn. Um yeah. but mm-hmm. there was about four years that I was really strong in my wellness journey that therapy was not even part of that. So I mm-hmm. think that there's other things too. I've talked about meditation, but that's huge. If anyone's like looking for meditation resources, Wim Hof is great. Um, I like the Mindful in Minutes podcast. Those are just Mm -hmm. like two. Journaling is huge. I journal every single day, but it's also beyond just getting my own thoughts out. I think it's so cool that I have like seven books of an entry from my life every single day. Like that's so cool. That's someday like my fam, my family can read that if they choose yeah. to, you know? Yeah. Journaling's huge and just getting something to dump your thoughts off. And then also exercise. If I had to like put it into a condensed format, is you need to be nurturing the emotional side of yourself. So through journaling or through meditation you need to be nurturing the spiritual side of yourself so for you i don't for people that looks could look like prayer it could look like speaking with your higher power it could look like meditation um nurturing the physical side of yourself so making sure you are getting movement in in whatever way it doesn't have to be the gym exercise for your mental health is so much different than exercise for aesthetics so whatever exercise makes you feel good do that so yeah nurturing the emotional physical spiritual
2: sides of yourself everything that you just said that is choosing happiness you know sometimes people think yeah. that it's this big oh should i go to europe or should i not but no it's like the daily mm. practices of
1: it meditation
2: eating well moving your body, journaling, you know, just that whole mind, body, soul connection and choosing happiness. Okay. So now you
1: find yourself today,
2: 2023,
1: Mm -hmm. you're joining us for this podcast. Where are you today on your journey Mm -hmm. to happiness? Do you consider yourself to be a happy person? And what does that look like for you today?
0: So I definitely consider myself to be a happy person, but that doesn't mean that I'm not going to face hardship again in my uh-huh. life. I'm prepared that life is still going to throw some things at me that are tough. But for me, I guess the definition of what I thought happiness was before I went on this journey was the absence of struggle. And now I realize that happiness doesn't, this doesn't mean the absence of struggle. It's working with the struggle to create a life that you think is fulfilling. I haven't fully faced all of my trauma I'm still in therapy I'm still working through that I'm still a very bad dater
2: um but, <laughs> yeah. but you're out um, there yeah you put it. but you're yeah. bad, but you put yourself yeah. out there and yeah. that's what makes you happy and you know what yeah, yeah. so, so um, according to the way we view happiness
1: where what you think what you say and what you do are Mm -hmm. all in harmony. Are you saying the things and thinking the things and doing the things that will continue to help you choose happiness for your life moving forward?
0: Absolutely. I feel like now I am in a place that I am so grounded in those habits that I spoke about earlier, making sure that those habits are Every single day, like no Mm -hmm. neglecting your mental. Like, obviously, if once in a while you miss a journal session, like, don't beat yourself up for that. Mm -hmm. But they are, for the most part, very ingrained in my life. And I have become so strong now at meditation, at articulating my thoughts, at, like you said, everything kind of like coming into one that I know that. Regardless of the struggle that comes my way, I have these tools now to still choose happiness, regardless of what's happening. I can say I'm very, very grounded in who I am now and my identity and my tools to keep me in that place, you know, and you have to trust also that the world's not going to come get you like you have to prepare that it might be, there might be struggle again, but the universe, your higher power, the world is never going to hand you something that you can't take.
1: I want to just say that this story, because it is so multifaceted, I do believe that every single person will be able to take a nugget away and and apply it to their own lives and figure out ways that they can utilize the tools, the mind-body connection, the higher power, all of the things that you spoke about to begin to choose happiness if they haven't begun or continue to choose happiness for their own lives. Like No matter what spot you're in in your
0: journey right now, keep moving forward. I know it's hard and I know that's cliche, but really like push yourself to keep practicing those mental health tools every single day, even on the days that you feel awful. Somewhere in that routine of practicing wellness and practicing mental health comes stability.
1: Well, I just want to thank you so much for sharing today. Chris. Yeah. honestly, you are wise beyond your years. Your experiences oh have been impactful to you, but now I know that through you sharing them on this podcast, they will be impactful to so many other people too. So I just thank you for taking the time and being vulnerable and willing to share your amazing journey toward choosing happiness mm-hmm. for yourself. With that, I think it is time to ease off the platform with this week's Better Than Fine practice.
2: The Better Than Fine practice is a weekly takeaway practice that will allow you to take steps to forge pathways to positivity in your own life. Because we are wrapping up season one... I'm so excited with our episode 10. I decided that the Better Than Fine weekly practice is going to be write your own story. There's Mm -hmm. so much power and healing and it's therapeutic to own your own story. And maybe we have it in our heads and we go over it and over it, but to actually sit down, write it out, and also write exactly the parts of that story that are important to you. So I ask you to reflect on a time when you were faced with adversity and how you paved pathways to positivity. Maybe at the time you handled it in a way that directly led to positivity, or maybe you handled it in a way that had a negative outcome. Even from negative outcomes, lessons can be learned that set us on a positive pathway. Maybe the lesson is to forgive yourself for mistakes and release guilt. That's a pathway to positivity. The point here is that we each have our lives, our stories to own, filled with both failures and triumphs. But it's our story and we can always choose what the next sentence, paragraph, page, chapter is going to be. Telling your story allows you to embrace and appreciate where you have been. So you can head in the direction and end up exactly where you want to be.
1: Well, thank you so much for that practice, Evelyn. And I love that because it ties in so much with what we've done this first season of the Positivity Platform. And that's allowing people to tell their stories because in owning their stories and sharing their stories, everyone can begin to build greater pathways to positivity in their lives. So, These past few weeks, which have been focused on the question, what would my life look like if I actually chose happiness, have been personally motivating to me. Mm -hmm. Evelyn and I want to thank our guests, Taylor and Carissa, for their vulnerability and their willingness to share their inspirational stories. And I want to thank all of you who have supported us by listening to our first season of the Positivity Platform. We hope you have enjoyed the journey so far. And we are so excited to bring season two of The Positivity Platform to you in just four short weeks. In the meantime, if you've missed any of our previous episodes, now's the time to catch up and join us again in four weeks for a new season of uplifting stories and encouragement as we all work to forge pathways to positivity in our lives. Until then, thank you for listening to The Positivity Platform. Mm If you enjoyed listening to this week's episode of The Positivity Platform, please follow us on Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, or iHeartRadio to receive updates and alerts when new episodes are released. And please leave us a comment on our social media, positivity.platform on Facebook and Instagram, and The Positivity Platform on Twitter at POSPOD2022. Thank you for joining us on the Positivity Platform.